I think first things matter a tremendous amount. Is that easy? Now you got to have some discernment about what you respond to quickly and what you don't. Otherwise, right. you're just going to be a slave to whatever's the urgent thing right in front of you. The second one is top of mind is first in line. Oh, that's good because we all think we're good at it. There's there's some gold right here. Welcome to Start with a Win, where we unpack franchising, leadership, and business growth. Let's go. And coming to you from Start With The Win headquarters at Area 15 Ventures, it's Adam Contos with Start With The Win. Today we have William Vanderblumen on the show. William is the CEO and founder of Vanderblumen Executive Search, a search firm that's got over 15 years and 3,000 searches under its belt in executive search. William has written a book called Be the Unicorn, 12 Data-Driven Habits That Separate the Best Leaders from the Rest. It was released by HarperCollins Leadership in November 2023 and has a ton of great game-changing tips for job seekers, employees, hiring managers, and really people who want to grow their leadership. Isn't that what we're here for is to grow our leadership? So let's dive in today with William on Start With a Win. Thanks so much, Adam. It's great to be with you. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How, I mean, you you were in, um, you know, faith-based community for quite some time, got into executive search. Take us through that journey and how did yeah. we get to where we are today? Totally normal career progression. Textbook. <laughs> Not. Oh, like, what a weird Yeah, exactly. It, you know, uh, the entrepreneur's journey is never straight up and to the right. It's, it's loopy, right? So uh, for about 15 years, I served as a pastor. And that's a whole long story uh, that's another podcast. But prior to that, I was the kid that was always an entrepreneur. I mean, just always had a bent for it. I remember starting a car wash when I was about 12 and then hiring my little brothers. And, you know, it was not indentured servitude, but it was pretty close. Uh, and I, I remember buying out. I was the paper boy in our neighborhood and I bought out the other routes around me and reconfigured them and then. Uh, chopped them back up. So like, I'm just incessantly tinkering and building and trying. Uh, and then that combined with a pastoral move uh, was really interesting. I, I served great churches. I think I was probably always a little too entrepreneurial for the church and rock the boat more than probably should have. But uh, yeah, I left uh, the church that I was serving, went through a divorce, which I would not recommend. Uh, it wasn't right. anything, the, it wasn't anything juicy enough for the tabloids, but it was just a tragic, bad thing. Um, and ended up being a single dad of four kids and, uh, needing to figure out what to do. So I went to work for a big oil and gas company since we live in Houston, that's kind of what there is. And, uh, it was really fortunate to get a, a good job and me on a management rotation track, right? So you do this discipline one year and this, another, and this, You'll come out learn, learning the business. First rotation was HR. And during that year, the CEO said, I've been CEO for nine and a half years, which in is a Fortune 200 company. That's that's a long time in that setting. Uh, and he said, uh, it's time to find yeah, my successor. Is. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they hired this thing called a search firm. And 90 days later, they had their new CEO. And I thought, what in the world did I just see? And I was kind of, since I was in HR, I was kind of the water boy for that team, right? Didn't, didn't get to contribute much, but got right, to see right. what was going on. Uh, the church that I had served here in Houston, First Presbyterian, it's actually where Sam Houston went to church. 
Um, I, I ah, wow. Yeah, I was called to lead that when I was 31. What were they thinking? Uh, they did not use the search firm. They should have. Uh, but it, they took almost three years to find me. And it's a great church. And then I stayed six years, and then they took three years to find the next guy. So in 12 years, they spent half their time looking for a leader and half their time with one. And I thought, wow, the oil and gas company just did this in 90 days. There's got to be a way to build something better. So I uh, went home. Adrian and I had been married maybe two months, blended our families, six kids, a house we could barely afford. And I, I said, Adrian, I think I'm supposed to quit my job and start something new for churches. And she looked at me and said, that's because churches love new ideas, right? So no one's ever said that in the history of right. ever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it was the fall of 2008. Now, if you're too young to remember that, just Google 2008 economy. Right. Yeah. I remember <laughs> that well. Really stupid time to quit your job and start something new. But uh, here we are 15 years later, we've completed 3,000 searches. We branched out. We started with how do we help a church find a pastor? And then it turned into heads of school for faith-based schools and C-suite for very large nonprofits. And and now the values-based businesses of the world, kind of the Chick-fil-A's of the world, uh, hire us to help find their their leadership. So it's it's been a crazy, strange journey. I never could have done the job I'm doing now had I not done all the jobs leading up till now. So, uh, you know, wins in things that didn't feel like a career led to a career that I love and would call a win right now. Awesome. So this is interesting because, you know, I've got your your book here, Be the Unicorn, 12 Data-Driven Habits That Separate the Best Leaders from the Rest. And it's it's interesting. I mean, the forward is by John C. Maxwell, who's one of the preeminent leadership minds on the planet uh, and a great guy. Uh, you know, you obviously recognized that there were a lot of leadership principles and leadership steps that need to happen. Obviously, we're talking about key leaders and organizations here. So you have to find somebody that's, you know, leadership driven. But uh, a lot of that has been, you know, this combination of soft skills and tactical skills. How did you sit down and figure out, okay, if I can refine leadership to these yeah. 12 steps, I can define it better for my clients. Tell me, tell me about that process. Yeah, well, John Maxwell's been a friend for a long, long time, mentored me when I was a young leader. I'm not as smart as he is. He can sit down and say, here are the 10 things every leader, the 21 irrefutable laws of, I mean, like he just, right. he just comes out of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that, I'm not that smart. So I like to see patterns and see if I can name them. And I like data to drive things because you don't want my ruminations or my thoughts that won't take long at all. So in the in the shut lockdown of the pandemic, we had a little time on our hands. Every one of our clients was closed indefinitely, which I learned is really not good for your P&L. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we we realized, you know, in our in our searches, the very best candidates at the toward the end of the search get a long format face to face in person interview. And we realized we've now done 30,000 of those. That's a lot of data. You could probably find some patterns. So we said, of the best of the best, 
How do they do in the interview? How are they doing the job? How are they are they getting promoted? Have they added value? Of the best that we've ever seen, are there common denominators? Do they have do they do they look the same? Do they act the same? Do they what do they have in common? So we went and, and kind of scoured through things. And what we realized was it, it wasn't the way they looked. Um, it wasn't their IQ. It wasn't where they went to school or pedigree. Um, it was how they treat other people. And we found 12 distinct habits that these best of the best, I call them the unicorns, uh, 12 habits that were easily seen in the research. Like these 12 stand out and they treat people in these ways, very intentional, uh, uh, bent toward habits that most of us are unintentionally bent away from. And so when we realized this is no longer, it started out as kind of a selfish project. Like, could we figure out how to spot unicorns better? When we saw the common denominators, these habits, we realized we're not spotting unicorns now. We can train people to become one. And that's when I said, okay, this needs to be a book. Because uh, as you know, writing a book is not a lot of fun and uh, you don't make any money doing it anyway. So uh, it better be a, a message that you feel really needs to get out there <laughs> to put the time and effort in. And, and that's kind of what led to the book. And, you know, if you uh, if you open the table of contents and look at the list of the 12 habits, the most common reaction is probably like, duh, William, who wouldn't guess that? I, I kid people Adam, and tell them. The alternate title should have been, well, I guess mom was right. Because <laughs> it all sounds like stuff that you get drilled in your head right. when you're a kid, you know. But, but, but what's different is this is not William's 21 irrefutable thoughts about leadership. This is here's what the data says about people who stand out in the crowd. It's simple interpersonal habits that if you will train these habits into who you are, you will stand out of the crowd and become a unicorn. Awesome. So you've, I mean, there, these things are broken down very succinctly into, yes. um, you know, there's the prepared, there's the solver, the agile, the authentic, uh, the curious. I mean, there, there are, I, I love how you have these defined in this book and they're really easy to process, really easy to understand and really easy to reflect on. So um, take us through, what do you find are, you know, obviously you have 12 here, but take three or four of these and let's share sure. some of those with our audience so that we can impact their day uh, through this yep. podcast. So, you know, wh what is your favorite of these 12? Let's just start with that one. And you know, why? next time I write a book, I'm going to wait a year because I wrote that, you know, in publishing, you write and it's about a year before the book actually gets out. Oh, yeah. Now that I've read the thing over and over a year, I think I know the material better than I did when I wrote it. I wish I could go rewrite it. And, and you know, what would the order be? What's my favorite habit? Um, I So I'm kind of like I'm a big believer that if you want to make a permanent life change, you need to start with a small winnable change. You need to start with a win for lack of a better way to say it. I like so that. I don't know if it's my favorite habit, but I think the easiest one to just grab hold of, focus on and master is the very first chapter. And we call it the fast, which is a little misleading. That's a little bit of clickbait. Uh, it's, it's not raw speed. I, I am not fast. 
I tell people I'm Dutch. We're built for wind resistance, not speed. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it, if it were really accurately titled, it would be the responsive. Okay. Unicorns get back to people and they do it quickly and they do it intentionally. They're fast at getting back to people. They're fast to make it personal. And that is something that we as humans genuinely stink at. Why so, do you think so, that is? Why? I mean, I, 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 I want to know. And give, what's, what is that trait that you see typically? Yeah. Is it just that, okay, I got a call from William. I'm going to pick up the phone and call you back right away and say, hey, buddy, how you doing? Hope your day is going great. What can I do for you? Is it, is it simply that easy? Yeah, it is that easy. It is that easy. Now, you got to have some discernment about what you respond to quickly <clears throat> and what you don't. Otherwise, right. you're just going to be a slave to whatever's the urgent thing right in front of you. But somehow unicorns find a way. They figure out how to respond to people, not in an auto respond, not with a chat bot, not with one of those automatic messages Apple tries to populate your text with when you're on the phone, like a real human response in very quick time. And, you know, we found that it really doesn't matter what part of humanity you look at. We're terrible at this. I, I don't know the why. I mean, you know, uh, I was reminded when I was writing this book, I took a lot of Latin in college and the word in Latin that means tomorrow is the word crastina. So when you procrastinate, you're literally putting it off for tomorrow. And we do that no matter what we found, Adam, we found that uh, people who use inbound marketing, like fill out a form and somebody will get in touch with you. Yep. You know, the sales team should be sitting waiting on those forms, right? Oh, there's form. Got to get back to somebody. Uh, we found that that a massive study of companies that use inbound marketing, if you respond to a form when it gets sent in, within a minute of receiving it, you have a 98% chance of being on a sales call with that person. 98%. I mean, this slam dunk. You wait 20 minutes after the form comes in, you have a 60% chance. So you've lost almost forty wow. percent chance just by waiting nineteen minutes. If you wait twenty four hours, I won't walk through all the stages, but at twenty four hours, if you wait twenty four hours after a form's filled out to respond to it, you have a less than one percent chance of having a sales call. And the average response time for all of the people taking this survey forty two hours. So they so, don't have a they don't have a chance. <laughs> none. And they're paying money to have inbound marketing. Right. And they're paying marketers. And they're literally throwing away. We talked to, um, I don't know, your listeners may not remember, this is going back, but eHarmony. You remember yeah. that? That's yep. like the OG before people were swiping left and right or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah, it was know. one of the first online dating That's deals. right. Yeah. Okay. A database populated almost exclusively with lonely people who really want to meet somebody. Right. So eHarmony sends an email. Oh, we found two people. We might be a match. The response time for those forms, crazy bad. Interesting. Terrible. You, you get people in our work. So we're executive search. So usually we're going and finding somebody like you that's already got a great thing going on. And you know, we're going to introduce you a brand new destiny. And But we do have people who are genuinely looking for a new setting. Like... Whatever they're doing has run its course and it's time to make a change. People that really want to find their next career move, we send emails to them and they wait days to get back to us. We're ter 
If you want to make a quick change, if you want to start with a win in becoming a unicorn, it's pretty simple. Just get back to people. Now, remember, um, I was a young senior pastor, 27 or something like that. And I'd been asked to come help this church uh, relocate. They'd sold their property. They'd bought some new property. They hadn't built anything yet. So I was kind of like with them in the wilderness, I guess would be the way you say it. And uh, we were looking for somewhere. We'd outgrown the temporary facility that we had. So looking for a new place. And I'm riding around with a community leader who used to be on our board and had stepped away from the church. And uh, he said, you know, right down the road from our new property, there's that YMCA and they're not even open on Sundays. I bet we could use that. I said, cool. He said, you know, I know the board chair there. I'm like, cool. And uh, we were driving around. We get back to my office and he handed me the guy's number and uh, said, you should give him a call. I said, I will. So we sat and visited for another 10 or 15 minutes. And I said, anything else I can do for you? He said, yeah. Why haven't you called that guy yet? I said, well, you just gave me the number and we're sitting. He said, William, let me tell you a leadership principle that has never failed me. Your first opportunity to get something done is almost always going to be the best opportunity you have to get something done. Call him now. Bam. Never forgotten that. Right there. <laughs> your first opportunity <laughs> to get something done is almost always your best opportunity. I, I well, can't like, agree. I mean, you ever, you ever pull out in the, you, you're waiting to turn left into traffic yeah. and you pull up to the intersection and there's a chance to go. I pass on that sometimes and I sit there and wait forever for the next one to come up. Right. Yeah. We, in, in the real estate space, you know, kind of my history here, um, we have something called speed to lead. And, you know, mm. I listened to your statistics on how quickly you can get back to somebody. And absolutely, the rule of thumb is if they are engaged in that particular item at that time, and I'm pointing at my phone right now because it might be searching for a house on their phone or something like that, and it rings right then and there, it's top of mind. And I've, That's right. I've been running off of this these two key principles in my business. The first one is presence creates trust. And I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that here, um, you know, or something like that in your unicorn stuff. But the second one is top of mind is first in line. And oh, that's good. When when you think about that, your you know, your responsiveness, the fast, I think is incredibly powerful. And and I can't stress that enough. Uh, in, in this list. I mean, you know, just chapter one right there, bam, pays for the book. So uh, I, I would encourage everybody to check it out. But uh, I want to move on. Give me another one. What's yeah. no, another one of these well, key things? We're, we've already got yeah, people so calling people back. Yeah. So you're calling people back. You're doing great. How about the um, the, the hardest one? Oh, yeah. Like that, that. Yields the, that yields the biggest result. Okay. okay. Remember, you start with a win. You want to stack wins. Momentum is a leader's friend. Get a win, get another win, get another win. It will lead to more win. I, I suppose you're familiar with this. Yep. <laughs> Just a little bit. But uh, when you want to when you want to try a challenging one, uh, read the chapter called The Self-Aware. Oh. Okay. And every chapter is pretty simple. It's yeah. a case study of a unicorn in that particular trait. It's what we learned interviewing the unicorns that we've identified. And then it's how you can apply it. You're not going to read this book and say, William is going to cure cancer. That's, you're, that's not going to happen. It's pretty simple. Go to the chapter on the self-aware. Why? Okay. So we surveyed all these unicorns that we found and we pretty long survey. One of the things in that survey was force rank these habits. Tell us what you're best at, what you're worst at. The clear winner for last place was self-awareness. Wow. 
everyone's like, I'm terrible. I got to get better at that. Okay, let's turn it around. We also surveyed a quarter million normal people like you and me, right? Yep. Asked them some similar questions, including, would you rank yourself below average, above average, average, you know, at, and each of these 12 traits. 93% of all of the general survey that we did, 93% of respondents said that they are above average at self-awareness. Interesting. I'm not a mathematician. That doesn't add up though. (laughs) 93% of a group is not above average. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, so on the one hand, the unicorn said, man, this needs more work than anything else. And on the other hand, it's the biggest blind spot we normal people have because we all think we're good at it. There's, there's some gold right here because I mean, when you look at it, truly what, what are one of the top traits listed academically in leadership? It's emotional intelligence. What is emotional intelligence? It's awareness of self, awareness of others, awareness of the situation. So how do those three, three things play together? And if you think you're aware of yourself, but you're not, you are completely freaking oblivious to what's going on with other people. So yeah, this is incredible. Um, you know, it's like when you walk up to somebody and you look at their face, I, I always believe that people are either living in love or in fear at the moment. And I have to understand where I'm living right now. And this, you know, you're, you're describing this, uh, this thought that I have, but the way you put it is, is very, very effective. I would say, um, of, okay, I mean, if you could walk around and have a sign in your hand that says, how self-aware are you and how self-aware are they, we win. I mean, we, we totally right. have the ability to build that bridge of the relationship with whoever we're talking to. Yeah, but, but, we, but that's a tough one to swallow, man. I remember when I was uh, 22 or 3 and, and going through grad school at Princeton, preparing to be a pastor. And in the Presbyterian Church where I served, you have to go through all these tests and personality things to figure out if you're, you know not crazy. And if you know what you're getting into and all, and I, I had taken one of these, where's Myers-Briggs and the Brickman and the strengths finders and all these things. The counselor said, wow, it says you're really good at this and you get strengths here. And man, you're good at that. You just got a lot going on. That's great. Hmm. The results show that on occasion you might have trouble receiving criticism and tell you the straight truth you might have trouble receiving criticism. I immediately said, I do not. Oh. <laughs> and the counselor just kind of leaned back and said, is that right? <laughs> we I don't guess like I just, hearing this. Right. Well, I and just that's why we, my point. <laughs> that's why we decided when we started to see just how unaware people are of what they're good at or not, we, we built a, a software assessment tool that you can take to show how you measure up in the unicorn factors. We built it as a 360 so teams can take it together or even families so that people can try and develop uh, some self-awareness with just some some really raw data about here's how I see myself and here's how my friends and coworkers see me. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's, that's amazing. I mean, just just those two be fast and be self-aware or the fast and the self-aware uh, in your book are unbelievably powerful. Um, I, 
I wanted to make sure I, I let everybody know, where can we find your book, Be the Unicorn? Yeah, so I hated my name growing up, but it's my best asset right now. If you go to Amazon and just try spelling Vanderblumen, it's such a messed up name. It will You will get where you're supposed to be. Same on the internet. And you know, if you just go to Vanderblumen.com, you'll, find, you'll actually find about 4,000 totally free resources for leaders on how you build and run and keep a great team. Um, but, but you'll also see the book. So Amazon or now, if you want a one-stop shop, a website with everything and some bonus content, the unicorn the unicorn Awesome. And, uh, I hope that's helpful. Awesome. Make sure you check out the unicornbook.com and William Vanderblumen's work here. Uh, highly recommend the book. I have it right here. It's, it's definitely a page turner and uh, has a lot of great leadership content in it. Uh, William, I do have a question I ask all of our amazing guests on Start With a Win. And that is how do you, Mr. Unicorn, start your day with a win? Uh, I don't know that I'm a unicorn. Um, does anybody ever say by hitting the snooze button? <laughs> I haven't had that one yet. <laughs> no, it's not really a win. Yeah, I, I make my kids put their alarm clock on the other side of the room so they can't do that. Oh, oh nice. You got to get out of bed to turn it off. Um, you know, on my best days, which I hope are most days, but we, you know, we're humans. I, I screw up all the time. I have a rule of uh, first in, first out. I think first things matter a tremendous amount. And so the first thing out of my mouth is always gratitude, gratitude. And I'm, I'm a spiritual guy. And so like for me, it's thanking God for all the great things in my life. And, and what's interesting is it's not just a spiritual thing. Probably the most uh, read column I've ever written for Forbes was how successful people start their day. And it's amazing across all faith and non-faith bandwidths how, much, how many people start their day that are really successful with a moment of gratitude. And uh, so that's that's the first out. The first in for me, I want to read eternal principles so that as I step into a temporal day, I'm undergirded with something that's more permanent. And, and I, I'm not trying to proselytize or anything, but for me, that is a faith reading. Right. For others, it might be wisdom or, or something, just something that's a little higher altitude than what you're about to jump into for the day. I think the first things matter. So first thing out of me. And the first thing into me are what I try and govern. Awesome. Incredible uh, work here. Be the unicorn. And also some great ideas here, William. William Vanderblumen, Be the Unicorn, 12 data-driven habits that separate the best leaders from the rest. Thank you for being on Start With a Win. We appreciate all you do. And uh, everybody, make sure you go check out William's book here. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>